or what needless things we worry about. All we have to do is just take it to the Lord in prayer. I feel your power. So humbled by your love. So humbled by your care and your protection and your, your salvation. So humbled that you would trust your holy word in my human mouth. So humble the Lord that you would give me the power from the Holy Spirit to go on and on and on. Thank you, Lord, for renewing me. I thank you, Lord, for the people who touched me these past three weeks. I thank you, Lord. things overflowing my God I see that you are doing a, a new thing I perceive it I perceive it I perceive it blessings like we have never seen before keep us obedient to your word keep our eyes on the prize with all these distractions in the world today Keep our eyes just to behold your face. All I want is just to behold your face. And so now, Lord, as I come before the people you have put in my life, I come. Symbolically knee bowed and body bent before thy throne of grace. And I come asking, Father, that you would allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Above all things, Lord, protect my heart. Be acceptable. And thy son. For you are my Lord and Savior. And you are my Redeemer. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I pray it. Let the church say amen. Amen and amen and amen. Come with us now 
to the New Testament Gospel of Luke, chapter 14. Verses 1, and then verses 7 through 14. Luke chapter 14, verses 1, and then 7 through 14. And as you have the word, or have prepared your heart to receive the word in the presence of the Lord today, please stand out of reverence if you're able for the reading of God's holy word. And listen now for the word of the Lord. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. Verse 7, when he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable, a story to help them understand some wisdom. He said, when you're invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor. In case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host, and the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, get up. No. Give this person your place. Give this person your place, and then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, my friend, I want you to move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. And he said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return. And that way you think you've been repaid. But when you give a banquet, Invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind. And then you'll be blessed because they can't repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Smile at your neighbor and smile at the one who's coming that's not here yet. Vision it. Vision the church filled with people. See it, see it, see it, see it. Make it manifest. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. let Jesus raise you up. Look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor. Don't get upset, because Jesus is going to raise me up. <laughs> Beloved child of God, you know, we spend a lot of time 
trying to figure out how to get ahead in life. And that's because we all want to get as much out of life as we possibly can. Somebody say amen. We, we know that life can be very exciting and fulfilling and full of wonderful experiences. Life can be very satisfying. Oh, yes, it can. If you haven't experienced it, then you've seen it being done. And what God can do for others, he can do for you. And so in our scripture lesson, we discover a, a just practical illustration and how to get ahead in life, how to make it over in life, how to enjoy life, how to have fun in life, how to be blessed in life. And not only that, but also how to get the most out of life. We are here to get the most out of life. We're children of the king. We're not here to just suffer. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it, what? More abundantly. Abundant, abundance, abundance. So beloved, Jesus taught his disciples and others who heard him that, that if they were humble, somebody say humble, if they were humble in their living and unselfish in their giving, God will raise them up in their lives. And, and then bless them abundantly on earth and in the life to come. That's the formula. Humble in your living and unselfish in your giving. And God will raise you up. So Jesus had an opportunity to teach. And whenever Jesus had an opportunity to teach, that's what he did. And so he taught a threefold lesson on how to be blessed and on humility, on selfishness, and reward. On one occasion, when he was invited to the house of a very influential Pharisee to have dinner, I said he was influential. I didn't say he was a Christian, but he was influential. He was a Pharisee. The word Pharisee means separated separated. They were a group of people who thought they were better than other people. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. The name referred to a group of persons who separated themselves from the mainstream of Jewish culture and secular life so that they might dedicate themselves to the meticulous keeping of the law. That's what the world looking in at us says. The church has become just real religious. We just like to keep the little laws, but we ain't gonna get involved now. <laughs> We ain't going to get involved with people because we better than them. We keep our pants up. We don't let them hang down. We wear our long white dresses and go act foolish in the long white dress. We don't wear no clothes up to here. And so that name referred to an uppity kind of people. In other words, they were more concerned with what they called themselves than where they were in God's sight and other people's sight. It just amazes me what we are doing today in the church. Now, many of you don't know because you keep up with other things. If I asked you something about the movies, you could tell me. If I asked you something about sports, you could tell me. If I asked you something that was on YouTube, you could tell me. If I asked you something you heard on Facebook, you could tell me. 
but I keep up with the church. I keep up with the church of Jesus Christ because that's what I'm supposed to do as a Christian. I'm supposed to know what's going on in the church. I can't run away from it in the position that God has put me in. Sometimes I don't want to hear about the church, but the Lord called me to the church and I got to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly. Somebody help me up in here. So let me tell you what's hurting me today about the church of Jesus Christ. It is just losing it. Somebody say losing it. With all these names, they got all these names. All these names. Who are we talking about? Let me tell you some of the names. People calling themselves in the church today, in particular in this denomination, they say, I'm a liberal. I'm a progressive. I'm a conservative. I'm a fundamentalist. What? What? Nobody said nothing about being a Christian. It ain't even in the category. I just want to know what a liberal is. What's a progressive? Somebody said to me, you know, God is a liberal. What are you talking about? God is God. The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The creator of the universe. He's God. And so people thought sitting up with the Pharisees at the front table gave them honor. But Jesus, however, didn't have any delusions about why he was invited in the first place to be with the Pharisees. You know, he loved the Pharisees, but he did not like the Pharisees. And he made that very clear. He knew they invited him there so that they could watch him and catch him in something wrong. Ooh, people are a trip. Ain't that a trip? They be tripping. They tripped in the Bible. They still tripping today. Just tripping. That's why you need to know the Bible. Then you wouldn't be so confused about the things you see. Ain't nothing new under the sun. <sighs> but this is what they did not expect. They didn't expect that while they were watching Jesus, <laughs> Jesus was watching them. Do you know every time a bully tries to put you down, that all you gotta do is look at the bully, cause you would be able to say something about the bully that would put them down. Do you hear what I'm saying? You talking about somebody else, and that same somebody else is talking about you. Listen, people who watch other people all the time never seem to realize that somebody's watching them too. You can say the same about people who talk about other people all the time. They never seem to realize that as soon as they finish talking to Sister Smith about, about Brother Jones, that Sister Smith is going to talk about them as soon as she can see Brother Brown. Do you understand what I'm saying? People that talk about people talk about people. And, and as a pastor, you'd be shocked at how I know them same people be talking about you. But Jesus knew while he was there. But they did not make him stay away. See, when people are doing you bad, you can, that don't make you stay away if you're a Christian. He just turned the tables on them, that's all. That's all. Jesus never ran from trouble. He never ran from trouble because he knew who he was. And he knew whose he was. And he knew that he was greater than any situation he experienced on earth. 
Jesus was a man who walked in humility. Now, we got to understand what humility really means. Because, you know, the devil will always take a word or a concept and then make it opposite of what its real meaning is. And then we like to hear the one that's the juiciest. So humility, people used to think it's somebody who's weak and lowly and just sweet all the time. Let people beat them up, walk all over them, and don't say nothing. But humility is frequently associated with being too passive or submissive or insecure. But that couldn't be furthest from the truth, my beloved. That could be instead humble people are quite the opposite. You better hear me up in here today. Humble people are confident and competent in themselves so much that as a result, they seek to self-actualize by helping themselves to grow and to change and to learn. Humble people are so busy working on themselves, they ain't got time to be working on nobody else. Help me up in here, somebody. We talking insecure people. Insecure people have to be fixer-uppers of other people. Insecure people. Insecure people brag about what they have. Insecure people. Insecure people want to tell you who they are and you looking at them and know who they are. They ain't got to say nothing. I've told y'all a story before when this lady doing the worship service. I'm like the DSC loves to talk about people in church, so I do too. <laughs> She walked up to me during worship service. She said, I don't like your hair. It's so ugly. This was in the worship service. Does that tell you why she was there? Huh? Now my ass come one time and say, Pastor, I heard you had a new hairstyle. If I'd known it was gonna be so pretty, I'd have come to church. Do you know why she was there in the first place? Somebody else stop coming to church, you come into church. Stop coming to church. Do you know why they were there? In the first place. Humble people don't have to do all of that. Humble people don't care what you say about them because they know who they are and whose they are. Now, if I had been ugly to the lady who told me she didn't like my hair, now wait, now I looked at her good. said, if you let me take home, let me take you home with me, I'll fix you up, girl. <laughs> you ain't even got no hair. We need to go to the wig shop. Look, we can go buy you some hair. I know how to buy hair. Whatever you don't have, you can buy, girl. I can help you up in here. <laughs> Nobody say, you so fat. Well, I can lose that, but you... Jesus, I'm not scared to walk up in here. 
smart, intelligent, up in the Pharisees. And that's how we walk in humility. Because we don't care what people think. We care what God thinks. You can't tell me what I'm not because God has already told me who I am. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. sit at the back and people will call my name. Oh, glory to God. There's a difference in sharing things about yourself and bragging about yourself. To be humble is not to think less of yourself. That in humility. To think less of yourself because people will try to take you apart, chew you up, and spit you out. I came to watch y'all as you watch me. That's what Jesus said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Therefore, one of the things that Jesus, the Son of God, noticed while he sat at the dinner table was that the other invited guests were choosing for themselves the seats of honor at the table. Uh, we call them needy, greedy people. I don't, I don't, I don't do well with needy, greedy people. I just try to stay as far away from them as I can. I don't, I don't do good with that car. Need a greedy people to get up and embarrass you. You know, they'll get up and say, they can play the piano and they get up and embarrass you. They get up and embarrass you because they just need attention. Some people don't care if the attention is for good or for bad. They just want attention. They don't care how they get attention. They don't care if you scream at them to them. That's attention. <laughs> they just want to be up front to be seen because that's attention. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, when it's my time, I ain't going to let you take my place up front if that's where I'm supposed to be. But that ain't where I have to be. Yeah. Oh, glory to God. We need to listen. This is a good lesson. Therefore, one of the things that Jesus, the Son of God, noticed while he sat at the dinner table was all this stuff going on. The most important person in the room who was undoubtedly the host would sit at the head of the table and the least important person would sit at the other side of the table. And so here Jesus was wondering in his mind, what in the world are these people doing? And so he said, you know, it's just better to just go sit at the back in the first place. Let people move you up to the front. I can't tell you how many experiences I have had as a woman pastor. You know, that's one of the reasons that women, they say don't do well in the church because the only thing we need is a pair of pants. That's all we need. We don't need nothing else because we're not as dumb as they are. and We're smart in many ways that they're not, but they got a pair of pants. So people love somebody in a pair of pants. Help me God. So God has turned the trick. I'm going to use the pants and the skirt. But see, we ain't got ready for the skirt yet. We ain't got ready for the skirt. So I've been in churches where I could not sit in the pulpit, not because I wasn't dressed right, but because I was a woman. And so I never felt a need to make a brother, because I loved the brothers. I was not going to fight them about that issue. And I had women who said, you know what? I'm going to go in there and go to the front anyway. Well, see, I'm not, I don't have to ha I, look at him. <laughs> I don't want nobody coming to tell me to get up. 
That's embarrassing. You go sit up in the front in a man's church, he say he don't believe in women pastors. It ain't your church, it's his church. If he say that, girl, just sit in the back. God know you there. Why the preacher got to know you there? He ain't going to have the last word on your soul. But the day came now, the day came when the brother across the street said that women weren't called to preach, that we had to go tell the brother to move over, stop parking his car in our parking spot because we needed all the room for ourselves. You hear what I'm saying? God will bless you when you're going in and then you're coming out. He'll bless you. Jesus said, when you invited to a but don't take the seat of honor. He said, just go to the back before somebody embarrass you. And then he began this whole, after he said, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled. Don't let the world humble you now. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. That's a spiritual protocol. Beloved, it's also a lesson in humility, a lesson in Waiting until God assigns you the place he wants you to occupy. But in the meantime, giving life all that you have. I'm going to sit at the back and do work without even somebody calling my name. Help me up in here, somebody. Just because I love to work for the Lord. I used to go to conferences, and in the middle of the night, I would put flowers and stuff in the hotel on the stage because it was just so horrible. And people would come the next day and say, oh, the hotel was wonderful. Look how they redecorated the stage. To this day, some of them don't know who was up to decorating the stage in the middle of the night by herself with a few other people because my name didn't have to be called. I just wanted the stage to look better for God. In school, school students compete with other students for scholarship. In church, preachers compete with other preachers for little old bitty teenage churches that ain't got nothing in them. I'm saying, what in the world in the United Methodist Church are we fighting for? We ain't even got crumbs left. <laughs> What you fighting for? A building that's empty? They all need people in them. Somebody help me up in here. Oh, we can count the ones on one hand that don't. In the church, still church members compete for, for other church members be more important. They want the jobs that are important. Listen to me, there's nothing wrong with competing for what you want. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But unless you're striving to be where God wants you to be, my beloved unless you're striving to be where God wants you to be. You will never have peace. You will never have joy. You will never feel good in your soul until you're doing what God wants you to do. Every saint of God and you're all saints You've been given a gift that will benefit his church and the whole world. You've been given a gift. Everybody has a gift. I say this a million times. Our problem is we spend energy on wanting somebody else's gift rather than discovering what God has given us. Everybody has a gift. Somebody has a gift to just smile at you. Today, that's a gift because ain't nobody looking up at no more. Somebody to look you eye to eye and say, good morning. That's a gift today in a society where people are dying for attention. 
taking up the paper off the ground of the father's house. Now, that's a gift. And the thing is, God gives you a whole lot of gifts. He don't just give you one gift, because I pick up the paper in a robe. I don't care if it's in my father's house. In a way, I'm going to pick it up. I'm not going to look for somebody else to pick it up, because I'm not too good to pick up a piece of paper. Somebody say amen. Amen up in here. You are spending your time. If you're humble and you know what God wants you to do, you have to spend your time trying to perfect the gifts within you that God gave you. Jesus taught those who heard him to stop trying to be number one all the time. Just be what and who God wants you to be. However lowly you think it is. And God himself will raise you up. I'm a witness to that. So even in this unseemly act of generosity and hospitality on the part of the host, Jesus detected an element of selfishness. The host was like so many people are today. He, he did good things for selfish reasons. That's why some of us do more for our families than we do for people that we don't know. Because we know we can bring it up to their face. We know they may be nicer to us because we take care of them. We think we're going to get something back. If you're giving thinking you're going to get something back, just don't give it. So Jesus had a word for the host also in the form of a parable. He said, when you give a dinner or a banquet, don't invite your friends and your relatives and people who are going to praise you and thank you and pay you back by inviting you back to their house for some dinner. She invited us. We got to invite her. And then if you can't cook, don't invite nobody. <laughs> Buy me a present. Don't cook me no meal if you feel like it. It was a lesson in unselfishness, a lesson in giving to help others, not oneself, and to do so out of a genuine concern for the welfare of somebody else. You know what's wrong with us today. We are just obsessed with ourselves. Just obsessed with ourselves, and then we obsessed with other people. We got a people obsession going on in this country today. That's where all the kids are picking up the self is just in love with Joseph. <laughs> One thing my grandkids know is when I'm around, you can't be you can't be taking no pictures of yourself and talking on the phone all the time. Because Nana come to preach, so you better get ready. You better get ready to hear the word, hear some wisdom, hear some stuff. Because I ain't having that. And if you look at something on TV that ain't holy, I ain't sitting in the room with you. Then I go upstairs. I look up you all upstairs with me. That's the way it ought to be. We don't have to go down with people to make them like us. I don't care if they like me or not. I just want them to respect me as their grandmama. I love them, but some things ain't going to go on when I'm in the house. Somebody ought to tell them. Their mom and daddy let them do whatever they want to do. Hey, hey, didn't do it then, ain't finna do it now. It was a lesson in unselfishness, a lesson in giving help to others and not oneself, and to do so out of a genuine concern for humanity. What's happened for us just loving a human because God created a human? What's the matter with that? 
What's the matter with thou shalt not kill? What's the church been doing having a party? We ain't told nobody that God says, people not even scared of God today. They're not even scared of God. They, if they don't fear their mom and daddy, then they don't fear God. Because you got to teach children that there is a healthy fear in life. We were taught a healthy fear. I brought you here and I'll take you out. Well, guess who says that? God the Father. Now that's who I'm scared of. I ain't messing with God the Father. Because y'all not going to have the last word on me anyway. When you meet him, he ain't going to ask you about me. <laughs> so don't get caught up in me because he ain't going to ask you about me. He gonna ask you about you. <laughs> and he gonna ask me about me. People are hurting today. And all we want is you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. What? <laughs> is your back itching? <laughs> That's a sign of something. You do for me, I'll do for you. I learned when I was obsessed with black people, and I still am because I love black people. I, I, was, I was all over the place on vacation, and I'm telling you, everywhere I went, I said, take me to my people. My family know I'm gonna say that, take me to my people. I was proud to see, you know what? Don't talk about the South. For something, for one reason, Texas ain't the South. It's Texas. If you've been anywhere, you know Texas is Texas. Hmm. <laughs> And I saw, I saw us doing well. I went all over places. I saw us doing well. I did. I saw us in great numbers in some places. We had restaurants, and, and I ate at the Jamaican restaurant, and we owned the Lubies. And then they took me all the way to this place, the preacher woman's clothing store. Well, I saw a suit that cut my eye. I said, it cut my eye. It was $1,200. Now, you know what? <laughs> if I was in Africa, y'all would have bought me that suit. Because that's what Africans do for the pastor. But since y'all ain't from Africa, <laughs> you just Africans, I knew I was going to have to pay for that suit myself. So I left the suit, left the suit. I had a good time seeing my people. But you know what? What I learned, there was a time when you weren't black. I wouldn't hire you to do nothing. Till I learned that black people are in a different state right now. We really are not who we used to be. And you know why? Because we've been traumatized. We are traumatized people. That's why we go to drugs. That's why we go to stuff, looking for stuff to fix us up. We stop going to church. We tired. We are traumatized people. We don't have no self-respect in what we do. I grew up where if a black person did it, it was a work of excellence. And I got tricked by so many black people in my ministry who I'd hire and give a lot of money, and then they didn't do the work. That now my job is to try to heal my own people. Not run away from them, 
but try to heal them. But I'm going to find somebody if they pink or green or blue or yellow who's going to do a work of excellence unto the Lord. And I must remind young black people of our history. We have always done any kind of work to the glory of God until today. Doctors are saying that our children who went to integrated schools and were in the minority are now considered by all medical examinations as traumatized children. You know why? Because they don't know who they are. Oh, you got to know who you are. You got to know that we came from the best of the best. We got to know who we are so we can have a sense of humility. And so listen, child of God, if we do the best we can, wherever we are, then God has something great and wonderful for us. People may talk about you. People may put you down. People may not like you. People can't do for you what God can do for you. You have to understand that. If your daddy leave, your mama leave, your uncle leave, your auntie leave, your God will be all of that wrapped up into one. My mama left when I was young. My daddy left. I wasn't really close to my family like that. He was my more than enough. And I knew it when I was young. I was young. He was my more than enough. I cried many a tear, young people. Cried many a tear. And I'd go in my closet and cry to God. He kept me. You have to believe in him. You have to believe in him because he will raise you up. And he will raise you out. And he will fix your broken heart. And he will fix your mystery. And he will tell you every time you think you can't make it, that you can make it. He will keep you in the midst of trouble. He will rescue you in the midst of the storm. He will pick you up when you think you're drowning. I'm talking about God. No, God. Because God has something for you and you and you and you and for me. God has something that men and women cannot give you. God has something for me. And it's just for me. What God has for me, it's for me. And young people, I was 14 when God called me to preach, 14. In a day and time when they told me I couldn't do it because I was a woman. Not some people, but everybody. District superintendents and bishops, you can't do that, Lydia. You are a woman. What God had for me, can't nobody take it. Oh, but you got to be tough enough to run with it. If God says it's yours, it's yours. Other people won't see it all the time, but do you care if they see it? The only person supposed to see it is that you see it. Jesus said, I could do no good work in my own hometown. Because people said, it ain't nobody but Jesus. So he said, when you meet people who tell you you ain't going to be nobody, shake the dust from your feet. Find some people 
that'll gather around you and say, you're going to be great, 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 you're going to be great. Every trouble you're going through is making you great. Every experience you have is making you great. And every pain you've ever carried will be a ministry for somebody else in pain. Be excited because what God has for me, it is for me. And what God has for you, oh my God, it is for you. Look for it. Expect it. Discern it. Identify it. And use it to God's glory. Yes, what God has for me, it is for me. What God has for me, it is for me. God has something for you, so you need to be excited about that. What God has Not people, what God has.